I mean, we can't uh, we can't cry about it, right? We have to move on and go play a football game on Sunday. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we've been rolling with the punches. This injury bug, he keeps landing body blows on the Denver Broncos all season long. Body's been dropping. It's like that one song, let the bodies hit the floor. Like, that's what it's (laughs) felt like for the Broncos this year. And then... We got even worse news on Wednesday afternoon that Emmanuel Sanders goes down. Yeah, the injury bug isn't just biting. It's destroying anyone in its path right now in Dove Valley. I hate, I hate, I hate this injury to Emmanuel Sanders. It's one thing for a star player to go down at it during a game, but to go down and practice running against air, non-contact, that's a brutal blow, and I, I just hate to see it. Yeah, we're going to definitely diagnose this thing, dive in, and uh, react, talk about where the Broncos go from here, if they can overcome this loss. But first, we got to say thank you to the sponsor of today's show, Audible. You guys go out and get yourselves a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash huddle up. You get over 180,000 different titles that you can choose from, whether you're on an iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash huddle up. You've heard us tell you about this now for over a year, or going on a year anyway. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal service, a phenomenal app, especially for those of you who like to consume audio content. You'll love Audible because you can get books under your belt while you're doing other things and multitasking. At least that's how I use it, and I use it literally every single day. So go to audibletrial.com slash huddle up, capitalize on that free audio book, huge selection to choose from for that free audio book, plus the 30-day free trial. And then also, if you have not done this, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod, especially if you want to get in on the weekly Mile High Mailbag, because that's where Zach and I primarily take our questions for the podcast is from Twitter. Sometimes we take them from Mile High Huddle 24-7 Sports VIPs. Some Occasionally we'll take them from Facebook, but predominantly we make it about our listeners on Twitter. So if you want to get in on that, Go on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, click the follow button, and then just watch for when we tweet out. You know usually the days we're tweeting is is especially on uh, game days, and then anytime a big piece of news, something that we got to react to, like today's news about Emmanuel Sanders breaks, you can look for those tweets. And you don't even have to wait till we start tweeting. You can tweet us any questions at any point, and we'll circle back and address them as often as we can. So follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, and then also take some time. Do your duty as a as a loyal listener of the show and leave a creative review. Rate the show. Give us a five-star rating, especially, especially, you guys. It's important if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher. But, of course, there's iHeart, there's YouTube, there's Google Play, there's Spreaker, there's Spotify. Pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast to listen to on the Internet, you can find the Huddle Up podcast and just be sure to give us a rating. All right, so the Denver Broncos suffer yet another significant loss and... It's really, in just a few days, back-to-back losses to Pro Bowl, all-pro caliber players. 
for the Broncos last week in Cincinnati. They lose Chris Harris for probably the duration of the regular season. Today on Wednesday, it's Emmanuel Sanders who goes down during the non-padded practice portion in which the media was present. They're watching this all take place. Non-contact. He was doing a, a cut. Uh, on a on a shallow in route is what the reporting says, and he just went down. So it was his Achilles, and he's done for the season. Now Sanders is under contract in 2019. That that'll be officially his contract year. But Zach, it will be. We'll we'll talk about the implications, what, how the Broncos respond to this injury here in a little bit. But it will be interesting to see how this could affect the way Denver leverages approaches him in the early months of 2019 as it relates to his contract because he's on the books to make whatever it is. I think it's $10 million next year. They kind of have him over a barrel right now because not only can they release him because he's not going to be ready for next regular season. I mean, this injury happening in December means it's going to be a push for him to be ready for September next year. And he's, uh, you know, he's due over actually $12 million against the salary cap next year. The Broncos can clear over $10 million in salary cap space by cutting him. That's an awful lot of money they can put toward other players, other uses. They have him the complete leverage right now. They have an opt-out. They can get out of his contract. The only thing is, depending on whether when they trigger next year, his injury guarantees that can keep him tied to Denver. But right now, I mean, it was it wasn't a sure thing he'd return anyway. But now with the injury, I mean, he's gonna can be ready. He's gonna be 32 in March. This is an injury that saps explosiveness. It takes away cutting ability, and that's what he makes his living with. So it's gonna be tough for him uh, to return to his prior self. Definitely, and you know, looking at some of the implications, I I tweeted about this from Mile High Huddle Twitter on Wednesday afternoon. I got a little bit of blowback, but it's hard to ignore the correlation, Zach, between strength and conditioning coach Luke Richardson, or former strength and conditioning coach Luke Richardson, leaving uh, right before this season started, basically, and the arrival of Lauren Landau to this sudden rash of injuries. I mean, the way the Broncos have been hit by the injury bug this year, like it harkens to the type of bad luck the, the L.A. Chargers have had in recent years in terms of not just the number of injuries, but like almost every good player the Broncos have has, has gone down. I mean, Pro Bowl caliber talent that is, has hit the mat here. I mean, you got Sanders now, Harris. You got Ronald Leary. You got Matt Paradis. You got Jeff Hireman, who was not necessarily Pro Bowl, but obviously a starter. I mean, it's it's been brutal. And for me, it's hard to ignore the fact that after the Broncos – allowed Luke Richardson to take a vertical opportunity to take a a promotion and an increase in pay to go uh, with the Houston Texans earlier this year, you know, they didn't have to do that. He had one more year left on his contract. And just like we see other teams do, like when Vance Joseph initially interviewed or wanted to interview uh, for the defensive coordinator job here when Gary Kubiak was first hired in 2015, his current employer, the Cincinnati Bengals, who had him under contract, blocked that. The Broncos also tried to interview Wes Welker for the vacated wide receivers coach position after they fired Tyke Tolbert, and the Texans blocked that. But the Broncos are known. They have a reputation in the NFL for being very encouraging for coaches, and you know, especially in, in terms of upward mobility. They're, they're not here to try and block opportunity for guys. And Richardson saw that as an opportunity to, to grow his career and take a step up in that sense. And so the Broncos turned to a local guy in Lauren Landau who had been working with 
Broncos players, you know, in fact, Philip Lindsay, I last time on the last podcast after the Bengals game, I talked about that Peter King podcast in which Philip Lindsay appeared. I mean, he talks about in his uh, workouts leading up to the draft how he was working out with Lauren Landau. So a lot of Broncos players had ties to him. It made sense for Denver to turn to him as, as their next hire to replace Richardson. But what do you say to that, Zach, as, as far as, you know, it's hard to necessarily blame Lauren Landau because we don't know exactly what might have changed uh, between Richardson leaving and, and Landau coming in as far as protocols for strength and conditioning. But it's hard to ignore, in my opinion, the correlation to Richardson's absence. And he had a great record as far as keeping this team healthy over his six years or whatever he was in Denver to now suddenly just dropping like flies. No, it's interesting because one thing I've noticed all year, and I put it on Twitter multiple times, was a majority of the Broncos' season-ending injuries, they were lower body injuries. So they were ACLs, they were Achilles, you know, they were uh, those kind of injuries. It leads me to believe that there's something going on with the training regimen that would prompt the sudden rash of players landing on IR. I mean, it's week after week, they lose some players, and um, you got to point at something. Also, a, a video serviced on Twitter, I believe it was by Arnie Stapleton of the Associated Press, showing the Broncos' practice field, right. and it had, it had divots in it too. So you have to point at maybe the grounds crew wasn't doing their job. Either way, um, there's something wrong here. It's more than just coincidence because they they have a multitude of players, I mean key players, going down with major injuries. So whether they made a mistake getting rid of Richardson and, and hiring Lauren Landau, I thought it was a good hire. But if he's not you know, conditioning these players the right way, uh, and then maybe they did make a mistake uh, letting Richardson go. Yeah, and it's the third non-contact injury suffered during practice that cost a player a season because you had Jake Butt early on, practice. Max Garcia early on, practice lost for the season and now Emmanuel Sanders. So it's and that's to say nothing of the players who have of course gotten hurt in game, etc. Now I want to read you something real quick here to your point about lower leg injuries and in tying that in here. Mike Kliss wrote a piece when Richardson uh, the news broke that Richardson was taking that job with the Texans. And in it I'm going to quote here. It says after flying in on the same plane with new defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio from Jacksonville to Denver in February 2012, Richardson's training methods helped solve what had been the Broncos' long-standing problem with soft tissue injuries, which include hamstring, mm. quad, and groin. And he says here that a uh, quote from Richardson is, it all boils down to being able to teach movement. Football is no longer three yards in a cloud of dust. The game is played in space, and you use whatever means necessary to improve movement, whether it's strength, flexibility, agility, you still have to approach it that the game is played man-on-man, bone-on-bone, so you have to be strong, you have to be powerful, but that, to me, is the separator. Can you teach movement? If you can't teach movement, then you can't improve someone's performance. Close quote there from Luke Richardson himself. So Interesting. It is interesting how it ties in, but, you know, and that's the thing is, if you go back and look at Richardson's uh, era here in Denver, I, I mean, very there were a few exceptions, but by and large, the Broncos were remarkably, I mean, you could call it lucky, but I think there was more of a science to it than just mere chance. I mean, they were able to, I mean, aside from C.J. Anderson in 2016, yeah, 2016, because that was the year that Devontae Booker was a rookie and ended up as the leading rusher. I can't off the top of my head from 2012 on. Well, there's Von Miller, I guess, toward the end of 2013. So Miller and C.J., but I can't really think of any season-ending injuries, at least to key players during that period, other than those two. 
Yeah, and you know, to your point earlier about the uh, injuries occurring in practice, I don't know why I remember this, but even going back to OTAs, uh, DeAndre's Mount and Jamal Carter, they went down in practice mm, with lower right. body soft tissue injuries. So there was obviously a pattern that was longstanding. This is not coincidence. And we'll never know in the short term what's causing it. They'll never come out and publicly you know, put Laura Lando on blast for his training regimen. But obviously something is wrong here. And you raised a very fair point, and you did get a lot of blowback for whatever reason on that because it's true. When you change these, these coaching staffs and these medical staffs and these training staffs, sometimes it has a, a negative impact on the team. I mean, some some men are just better equipped to handle the 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 uh, you know the training of an NFL player, and maybe Richardson was. We just don't know for sure. It's interesting too. Here, and the last thing I'll say from this Cliss piece um, from earlier this year is that Lauren Landau, who replaces Richardson, was actually a finalist for the job that Richardson got in 2012 in Denver, and so mm, uh, that right. made sense for the Broncos to turn to him. But I think there was a reason Houston was after him. I mean, he's got a pretty sterling record. He was instrumental, as Cliss points out, in helping Peyton Manning to bounce back from his neck injuries and to have that prolific stretch in Denver. You know, but unfortunately for the Broncos, like it's great to to cultivate a r- encouraging relationship towards your coaches and staffers, but this is kind of one of those quintessential moments where nice guys finish last. Right. And no one wins in the end if they're not doing things the right way. So let's talk about, from a football perspective, X's and O's personnel, how the Broncos move on to overcome this. Is this going to be kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back? Because the Broncos have done a phenomenal job up until this point, rolling with the punches. I mean, you look at the decimation they've suffered on the offensive line. Just a couple weeks ago, you have John Elway come out saying, you know, we might have basically lucked into our best combination up front by virtue of the injury bug on Wednesday – Case Keenum takes to the podium to share his immediate reactions to what happened with Sanders. And, you know, he points to to the fact that, look, it's terrible, it sucks, but you know what? It's through injury that guys' careers in the NFL are born. That's how I, basically, to paraphrase Case, uh, was got an opportunity to become a starter in the NFL was through other people's, <clears throat> you know, misfortune. And so, in other words, this is a great opportunity for the younger guys down the depth chart. It obviously puts a huge onus on Cortland Sutton especially, but it's for sure a huge bump in opportunity for Deshaun Hamilton, who we know the team is obviously ridiculously high on. They have big plans for him in the future, but now, Zach, the fu- I mean, this, the future is now. And that's exactly what I wrote earlier. How many losses can they overcome? Too many players have went down, too many key areas, too many key positions. Um, they can still win. Fortunately, their schedule is just so weak over the course of the next four weeks. They should be able to go into San Fran and still beat the 49ers. They're heavily favored for a reason, even without Emmanuel Sanders. It's going to hurt them. It's going to shift the offensive play calling a little bit. And it's going to give, in a positive way, a, a deep look at what Deshaun Hamilton can bring to the table. We already know that Cortland Sutton is established as a starter. He took over for DT. He's been doing a good job. Had his third touchdown last week. He's good. We don't know that about Hamilton just yet. He was pretty polished coming out of Penn State. Good route runner. Hasn't got the playing time. Hasn't gotten the snaps or the reps. Now is the time to shine. And it's going to be tough because you have opposing teams are going to put double coverage on Cortland Sutton, and right. it's going to give a one-on-one opportunity for Deshaun Hamilton. Does he develop that chemistry with Case Keenum? Uh, it's going to be a major storyline to follow. But the Broncos have to know if they have him next year because now, especially with Sanders' injury, he might not be back. 
And that's part of the reason, too, Zach, that I kind of had my mea culpa earlier this week when I uh, passed on that report from what Ian Rappaport said that Vance Joseph is no longer on the hot seat. And I kind of took that as an opportunity to wax poetic a little bit, fall on the sword, eat crow, whatever you you know phrase you want to use in terms of giving credit where credit's due for Vance Joseph because it was after that week eight loss to the Chiefs. You know, that was their fourth consecutive loss where I wrote publicly on the website. Anyone can go read it. It's still up. We haven't taken it down that it's time for the Broncos to fire Vance Joseph. And I can stand up now and say, look, that was, you know, rash. That was, uh, you know, jumping the gun. He's done a great job. But I think it's at least in the last quarter of the season is what I mean. And if you look at really what the obstacles he's had to endure as a head coach this year, and not just, you know, we can go through and talk about the fact that they've had to play basically every hot team in the NFL with the exception of that run the Saints went on. I mean, the Broncos played every hot team in the NFL. That's one thing. But then to continue to win in, against really tough opponents over the last month of the season, despite this these mounting injuries, at a certain point you really do have to tip your cap to Vance Joseph and the, and the coaching staff and the players, obviously. But it does bring up the question, when is enough enough? Because if you look back to – that touchdown, for example, Cortland Sutton had last week, that beautiful deep ball that he went up and got, the 50-50 in the end zone, 30-yard touchdown from Case Keenum. One of the reasons that play was successful was because the opponent, the Bengals, were selling out to stop Emmanuel Sanders, which left Cortland Sutton on an island to do his thing. And so now what you're going to see is opponents, to they're, gonna, they're basically going to stack the box to stop Phillip Lindsay, and then in obvious passing situations, they're going to bracket – Cortland Sutton. And so that means two things. One, can Cortland Sutton do what true number one receivers in the NFL do and still find ways to get open and make plays in such situations? And then two, can the other guys on the depth chart who are on the field in those situations win their one-on-one situations like we've seen Cortland Sutton do? You know, that's kind of what scares me is that Sutton was good as a number two, but I don't think he's ready to be a number one just yet. And Hamilton was good as a number four, number three. I don't think he's ready to be a number two just yet. Everyone is now bumped up a peg and the and the collective talent goes down a peg because there's so much uncertainty. This is a really young receiving core. You have two rookies. You have Tim Patrick, River Craycraft, and they just picked up Andre Holmes. I mean, this is all young players. Yeah. There's no veteran presence there anymore. So it's going to be tough for them. I, I want to see how he blossoms Deshaun Hamilton. I want to see how this offense responds because Case Keenum is losing his best offensive weapon by far as a receiver in Manuel Sanders. Oh, their, yeah. chemi- their chemistry is evident, and they've enjoyed clicking with each other. Uh, Sanders is going on to have a really good year, and now it's being taken away. So not only to compensate with the receivers, I think Musgrave will use the running backs a little more now and not to stretch Philip Lindsay a little too thin. I think they turn to uh, Devontae Booker now, get him a little more involved. Yeah, I mean, they absolutely have to because, I mean, you saw, and it's a smart thing to do from an X's and O's perspective because, you know, let's face it, I've, I've given Todd Davis some props in terms of his improvement as a coverage linebacker this year, which he has modestly improved in that arena. But, like, last week when the, when the Broncos were on the road in Cincinnati, they, especially when you saw Josie Jewell go down and Joe Jones go on the field, the Bengals tested the Broncos linebackers by running some running back routes at them and seeing if they could hang. And so the Broncos are going to have to rely on those type of tricks of the trade and try and get their best players who, at this point, I mean, the, the, the true playmaker is Phillip Lindsay. We saw also how 
productive and effective Booker can be as a receiver split out wide. I mean, that play he made that set up the first touchdown Denver had last week was phenomenal, that 30-yard play. So Mm -hmm. they're just going to have to turn to the – to the tricks here to figure out a way to maximize the talent here because losing Sanders is going to hurt. This is one that is going to cost the Broncos something. Is it going to cost them on in the win-loss column? Hopefully not. Hopefully, you know, they can still withstand that, but it definitely takes away some of the sizzle, some of the oomph, you know, and the way basically teams are going to scheme to stop the Denver Broncos. But one thing that really favors them in this situation, the, the upside if you're looking for a silver lining, is that two of Denver's four remaining opponents are 2-10 and ten right now. They're two of the worst teams in the NFL. But, you know, you, you can't overlook the Niners this week, and I certainly hope the Broncos don't, and I don't think they will. But you got to circle that Week 15 bout at home versus the Browns as really a, a litmus test to see just how this Broncos team can respond against a young and talented team that's playing really well right now. And then, of course, at home, the fall, not the following week, but – Two weeks later in the season finale, you're going to have the Chargers rolling in looking for payback for that game Denver stole in their house earlier in the season. And it could be a game in which both teams are still vying for something, but it who knows, it could even break the Broncos' way and be a situation where the Chargers have already locked up the fifth seed, and so they're resting their guys like Phillip Rivers and you know their key, their key players. So hopefully it shapes up that way, but... The Bron- this is going to cost the Broncos is what I'm getting at, Zach. Like, I, you know, losing Chris Harris, that's going to hurt. But I think there's enough talent and there's enough ways that Joe Woods can manipulate the board, so to speak, to at least mitigate the loss of Chris Harris on the other side of the ball. Now with Demarius Thomas gone, Cortland Sutton's great. Don't get me wrong. He's a phenomenal young player. He's got a huge ceiling, great potential. But I agree with you on that, Zach. He's not quite there yet. And so this is going to change the way opponent scheme. And so it's going to put the onus even more on Keenum. It's going to put the onus even more on Philip Lindsay. And what I'm curious to see is whether or not Keenum can continue his stretch of playing smart football, not turning it over, you know, and uh, I'm just curious to see how that shakes out. You know, about the last game, the finale, that it could have no implications either. If the Chargers lock up a seed and the Broncos are eliminated, that game can mean nothing. True. Uh, but the big, the, the defining trait that differentiates the Broncos this year from last year is their depth, one of them anyway. They have depth at areas they didn't even dream about last year. Receivers, one of them. To an extent, corners, one of them. Offensive line is, is one of them. They've all had to step up, and they can withstand this injury. They cannot withstand an injury to Philip Lindsay, Von Miller, and maybe even Case Keenum, because I don't trust Kevin Hogan to win games for them. Mm-hmm. So they can withstand this, but anything more, I think they're going to have to tap out. The only thing is, though, their schedule is tricky. I don't put anything past these opponents. Uh, the Niners do some things well. Their record doesn't show it, but they're a well-coached team with Kyle Shanahan. That Browns game is going to be a slugfest. Yep. It really concerns me because that's a game that I think the Broncos could lose if they overlook them. And you know, having two division rivals to close the year is never easy for them either. And you're right. Opponents are going to change the way they they attack this Broncos offense. They're going to load up to stop the box with Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman. They're going to put two men on Cortland Sutton, and then they're going to force the Broncos to beat him with what Andre Holmes and Tim Patrick or never Craycraft. That's mm-hmm. what they're going to do. So it's not favorable. It's not a good thing. It doesn't make it easier for them. They can overcome this. It just makes that mountain a little more perilous. And that's the takeaway, Broncos country. Is what we're trying to tell you is this one's going to hurt. 
but it, and it's going to cost the Broncos. I mean, you don't just easily dispense with 71 receptions, 868 yards, four touchdowns through 12 games. That kind of production, you know, overnight. You don't have Demarius Thomas waiting in the wings in this case. You have a group of untested receivers, and who knows? I mean, like Keenum said on Wednesday, this is the type of situation in which stars are born. So this is an opportunity where you could see guys just explode on the map like Deshaun Hamilton, who last week saw an enormous amount of snaps. He didn't get any receptions, but the Broncos believe in him. He's smart. You know, he knows the offense. So now you're just what you're going to see is a obviously clearer focus, stronger focus, I think is a better word on getting him involved in the offense, getting him in a rhythm, getting him some some balls, along with, of course, Cortland Sutton. But that puts the onus on Sutton too, man. He's going to have to really ball out this final quarter of the season to give this offense, the passing aspect of this offense, a real opportunity to hang. But you wrote the report not long after the news broke, Zach, the Broncos picking up Andre Holmes. And for those of you who might need a little bit of a reminder of exactly who Andre Holmes is, he's the former... Raiders wide receiver who is just barely coming off a majority of the season he spent here with the Buffalo Bills and the Denver Broncos picked him up and let's talk about the ties here he played under Bill Musgrave during Musgrave's two years in Oakland and most fans can remember there was a time where you know the Broncos would play the Raiders and you would see Crabtree get taken away by Tlaib you would see uh, what's the other kid's name? Mari Cooper get taken away by Chris Harris. And the one guy who would find a way to eat and get touchdowns, it felt like every time the Broncos played him was Andre Holmes. So he's he's six foot four, he's two ten. He's kinda in the similar mold of Tim Patrick, but probably a little bit faster. So he's a big body receiver. He's kinda kinda thin for how tall he is, but what were your thoughts on the Broncos picking up Andre Holmes uh off waivers today? I mean, there really wasn't much out there. People were calling for Kelvin Benjamin and mm. Brandon Marshall. Yeah, it wasn't going to happen like that. They needed just a, a depth signing. I wanted Kendall Wright personally, but Andre Holmes fits the bill, I guess. He had a couple nice years in Oakland, and like you said, he made some nice catches, uh, signed a, a nice deal with Buffalo, then kind of just bombed there, and then they released him. He's nothing they're going to count on. He's a number four receiver at best. Yeah. The Sa- Sanders injury, it, it just helps more so Hamilton and Tim Patrick. They're going to give them more opportunity. But a- as a guy that's six for he also plays special teams i mean you could do worse i guess uh, on such short notice let's be forward this is kind of an impromptu episode of the huddle up podcast and uh we want to before we run out of time take some of your questions and and reactions in the mile high mailbag each and every week i mean we're here to we're your football priests we're offering you that absolution and the answers to your burning broncos questions and reactions to the sanders development here from Jedi Joshua 58 love the handle now dude um, he says with Sanders down the Broncos are in bad position but once Holmes is up to speed Holmes Sutton Patrick bring a lot of size what are your thoughts on the size that that trio can bring to the table for the Broncos passing game I mean, it's it's nice. You can never have too many tall pass catchers in the red zone or, you know, on, on third downs. I mean, it's good for them. But like I said, they're not going to target him. They're not going to work him into the offense as a key component. That role is going to go toward Deshaun Hamilton. They invested a fourth-round pick on him. They had high hopes for him coming out of Penn State. It's his time now. So on paper, yeah, they're all tall and they're good red zone threats, but he's not going to get a majority of work even when he's up to full speed. I agree. It's basically, you know, it's it's a 
This is about a bunch of guys now trying to fill in to do the job of one guy with Cortland Sutton being the one hope, really, I think, as far as realistic, being practical at this point in the season. He's your one hope to really alter what could be just a a regression in a Broncos passing game where they really batten down the hatches. Maybe not Tim Tebow style, 2011, where – you know, they're, he's he's completing two balls and p- attempting only 12 in a game. Maybe not that much of a regression, obviously, because it is Case Keenum and it is Bill Musgrave. But I think you're going to see the, the passing offense really try and batten down the hatches and minimize their opportunities to, you know, get in hot water, bite off more than they can chew in the passing game. And really, this is the, where the onus falls on Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. And now, I mean, you wrote the piece. He just won the whatever it was, AFC Offensive Player, Philip Lindsay, of the week on Wednesday. And, you know, he has a chance to – obviously, he's going to get over 1,000 yards rushing in this this next game, odds tell us. So he'll get over 1,000 yards rushing as an undrafted rookie. But now it would not surprise me. I'm not saying it's going to happen, Zach. But, like, he has a real opportunity to shoot for – Clinton Portis's franchise rookie record of 1,508 rushing yards that was set back in 2002 because you got four more games. That's a quarter of the season. If he continues to produce, like last week, for example, 150 yards rushing, a little over, over the course of the next four games, I mean, that's 600 yards rushing. That would put him over the mark. <laughs> that would be absolutely incredible. Uh, I think it's a little optimistic because the Browns and the Chargers have good run defenses, but he's definitely get more touches, no doubt about that. If anything should make the Broncos give Lindsey 20 touches a game, it has to be this. But they also have to be wary of opposing defenses now, loading up the box with eight, nine defenders and not respecting that Broncos passing game, which is without any sort of veteran presence. Yeah. I mean, this basically just puts more pressure on everybody on the Broncos offense. And it's just one of those situations now where we know the Broncos have tried to be cautious and they've tried to be cognizant of their usage with Philip Lindsay. But now, I mean, if they want to win games, they're just going to have to feed him. They're going to have to more feed than Phil. feature him. Feed Phil. That's right. So one more question, then we'll get out of here from Braden Miller. This is an interesting one. Do you expect wide receiver to be a major draft priority with Sanders injury? Mm. Uh, it's it, there's so many variables right now to answer that question. Uh, we don't know, you know, who's going to be in the draft for sure. We don't know what's going to happen with Sanders. We don't know how Hamilton's going to do, how the younger receivers are going to do. So many things are contingent on what they do in the draft. If Sanders stays, there is no way they use a top three pick on a receiver. Not after using it a second and a fourth last year. If he goes though, then I think a receiver in round three, let's say, could be a viable, you know, outcome for them. They they have if they if they have Sutton who's proven and Hamilton who's not proven who else do you have that you can rely on so they're going to have to invest more in that position but they're not going to break the bank in free agency and they're not going to use a higher on draft pick if Sanders stays around that I can say for sure yeah they have from a from a depth and a roster needs perspective let's just put it this way bigger fish to fry doesn't mean they won't draft a wide receiver at some point next year but it's not going to be I would be surprised in rounds one two or three because. It's a huge, it's a great defensive line class, and the Broncos need some depth there with Derek Wolf getting old, with Demata Pecco no longer under contract next year, and then cornerback, 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 inside linebacker, and then of course whatever unfolds with the the quarterback class, and just exactly where the Broncos end up 
in the in the pecking order on draft day. So that'll that'll determine things, but it certainly increases it as a roster need, but it's more of a depth thing. And we also don't know what the Broncos will do in free agency and what's going to be available to them um, come draft day. So, but you know what? That's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast, an impromptu gut reaction to Emmanuel Sanders suffering a season-ending Achilles tear, non-contact during Broncos practice on Wednesday. The Denver Broncos, of course, traveling for their second consecutive road game to take on the San Francisco 49ers. It's going to be uh, an opportunity for Kyle Shanahan and Vance Joseph to kind of square off and harken back to the fateful decision John Elway made to hire Vance Joseph instead of Kyle Shanahan. You got any bold predictions for that game before we get out of here, Zach? Um, as of now, I think it'll be more low score than people realize. It could be more of a, a defensive struggle, and uh, it could come down to the wire. That's what I will say. I agree. I definitely agree. You're, you're not going to see a prolific output of points in this particular game, at least not from the Denver Broncos, and I don't see it happening from Nick Mullins, who word on the street now is that they are going to stick with Nick Mullins instead of going back to C.J. Beathard. So the Broncos will get their crack at, at Nick here. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But in the meantime, you guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter. As I said, at Huddle Up Pod. Zach and I have some exciting news we're going to be announcing for the podcast here very, very soon. You're not going to want to miss that. So in the meantime, you can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jansen. Tweet us your questions there, too. As always, we're, we're going to engage you and, and get back to you. And then don't forget to rate, review the show wherever you're listening, and, of course, subscribe. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.